Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. I want want to welcome everyone once again to God's presence. I trust that the Lord has something wonderful for you this morning. Amen. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord has something wonderful for you. Don't miss it. Amen. How many of us have this, uh, this flyer? You sure have it in your bulletin? All right, so do me a favor. Can you just give this to someone after today and invite them to church next week? It's a good way to at least tell someone about uh, the church and invite them. It's important for us to tell of what God is doing here. Uh, I'm sure many other people can use a great service this morning and use the word of God. Uh, Can be blessed by the worship uh, and everything that happens here on Sundays. Uh, so please, as part of your responsibilities as a member here to share the word about the church. Uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor. Say, join me to share the word of God about the church. Okay? So p- please, let's do it. Let's do it uh, everywhere, on Facebook, Twitter. As you run across people, uh, tell them what God is doing here. Amen. I also want to recognize Pastor Paul Musisi, a good friend of mine who is worshiping with us. God bless you. Pastor Pastor Musisi is from Kampala, Uganda. Amen. And uh, he's visited a few times. We've had a time of fellowship. He's visiting and he decided to worship with us. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Amen. All right. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because your word is quick, your word is powerful, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word can go to the deepest part of deepest part of any heart. Your word can heal, your word can set free, your word can deliver. Your word is the truth. And we ask that you will speak that truth today. In the mighty name of Jesus. I pray you will enable me to speak your word today with accuracy, with precision, and with power. So that your people's faith will not be based on just my eloquence, but on the power of God. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. We've been talking about balance. I mean, we've talked uh, about two weeks now. Uh, trying to examine the subject of, you know, approaching God's truth in a balanced way. Balance is very, very important. Uh, and I've seen as somebody who has been a believer for several years, a minister for many, many years also, uh, uh, who is also a very, very keen observer 
of what goes on around me and in the church, I've seen that uh, majority of problems we have in the church and problems that people also have in their lives uh, stem from lack of balance, you know, not just in our lifestyle. I mean, we like to talk of balance as far as uh, work, life, family balance. Those are great. Uh, but the biggest one is the balance even in our knowledge of truth. You know, when we are not balanced in how we see God, how we understand God, how we understand the truth of God, it creates an, a life that is not balanced. It's like having a, 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 a stool with three legs or a, a, a chair that is supposed to have four, but one of the, you know, one of the legs is shorter. Uh, it will be, it will not be balanced and it will become very dangerous. And that's very, very important. And that's why we've been examining this subject of balance uh, in different areas. And if you're a Christian, you will struggle with balance because God is the most balanced God. But we are very prone to imbalance. We are prone to just excesses, emphasizing one true uh, over the other, you know, just, just, just because of who we are as human. And that's why it is very important to pay attention to this message. Today, I'm going to talk about balancing grace and personal responsibility. I'm sure if you pay attention a little bit, the subject of grace in the last five years or so has been really, it's like something that came back, you know, being taught or has received a lot of emphasis uh, because obviously we have uh, a few preachers who really decided to emphasize that, and that is awesome. Uh, that is great. Uh, but that has also created a lot of concerns in other circles in the church about, you know, uh, where's the balance? And, uh, and I think a lot of believers also struggle in that area. I'm sure you've all had, you know, hey, we are saved by grace. Christian life is by grace, not by works. And I'm sure you've always heard, you've also heard, you know, a grace is not a license to sin. You know, so and that there's all, you know, somehow uh, the, over time there are two camps. You know, people who emphasize grace, who believe, and people who somehow, uh, in, in response to countering the emphasis on grace, can also go to the other extreme of overemphasizing works or what I decide to call personal responsibility. But there is a balance. I want you to say there is a balance. And balance is what we're trying to pursue today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to talk about grace first. You know, grace is something received that was not merited or earned. All right? That's grace. Something received that wasn't merited or earned. That means the person received it, did not deserve to receive it in the first instance, in first instance, and also they did not earn it. They did not work for it. And that is, you know, that's what grace means. So grace has nothing to do with what we do. It has nothing to do with what you do as a person. It has all about to do it is all about what God has done. And that is very, very, very important to know. Because as a believer, 
when you hear the word, we are saved by grace, it is very, very fundamental, the subject of grace. Without understanding grace and, and what it means and how it affects you, it is really impossible for you to live the Christian life. It is not possible. So we're going to look at a few scriptures, and I'm hoping, I'm trusting that you're going to really take this seriously. You're going to write this down. You're going to copy this. You're going to maybe get this, you know, tape, and really study this. Don't, just, don't let it just be something you listen to on Sunday and you go. It has effect on how you live your life. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, the book that really talks about this is the book of Romans. And I actually, I don't really think you can be a true Christian experiencing everything God has for you or have a, an understanding of what it means to be a New Testament believer without really studying the book of Romans. You know, I, I mean, I, have, I, cannot, I cannot tell you how much time I've read, uh, you, know, I've, you know, I try to even listen to it at a go. In fact, one of the things I try to do, I think it takes about an hour to listen to it. If you want to listen to it in, uh, uh, you know, using the Bible app, I mean, do it over and over again. It will really, really help you as a believer. Now, let's go to chapter 4 of Romans chapter 4. He said, what shall we say then that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, works means, you know, what he did personally, by his personal works, he had something to boast about, right? Then, then if the justification that Abraham received was because of what he did, then he will have, he will have something to boast about, but not before, not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, right? So Abraham didn't really do anything. In fact, Abraham is different from when you say Noah or the people who came before. Noah, by the time we started talking about Noah, he was righteous. We just found him. How he obtained his righteousness, we don't really know. But he, he was just a man that decided to be righteous. So Abraham did not decide to be anything different from other people. When God came to Abraham, he was worshiping idol like his forefathers. There was really nothing different. It was just like every other person. So the Lord came to him and called him and gave him a promise. Right? So Abraham believed that promise and God recorded it for him for righteous. That's what the Bible is saying here. So Abraham didn't walk. It wasn't like God showed up and Abraham was so different from every other person. And God said, you know what? You are good. And I'm going to call you out. No. He was worshipping idols like every other person. And that is actually why Abraham is the father of faith. But what he did was that he believed God. Right? And God now recorded that to him. <laughs> Instead of writing faith, right? He wrote righteousness. Did you get, is that clear now? Verse 4. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. Right? So, if you work for something, 
what you get is a wage. It's a salary. It's not a gift. I mean, you don't go and thank your boss every two weeks. That, oh, I got a big check in my, I got a big deposit on my, pay, on my an account. Thank you for it. No. You probably feel you don't get paid enough, right? <laughs> you know, you probably feel, you're probably feeling, you know what, I, I spend more hours. I wish I can get more. So he said, when you work for something, it is not a gift. They owe you. However, to the one who does not work, which is Abraham now, but trust God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. And that's, that's our life. Right? We put our faith in God that justifies. And God records that as righteousness. That is why we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. I, hope, I, I, I thought somebody else would really be excited about that truth. Hallelujah. So it's important to know that salvation cannot be earned. All right? It is not earned. Ephesians chapter 2, I'll read a few verses that capture this well. Ephesians chapter 2 also talks about that. If you were at the retreat, we, we studied Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 8 through 10. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved. I want you to know, grace is gift that is not merited or earned. So it is by grace you have been saved through faith. So the gift came because we believed him, right? Just like Abraham, right? Not of works, so that no one can boast. So Christians ought to, ought to be the most appreciative, the most humble people on earth because we understand that we have received something that we can never earn by ourselves. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, I'll go back to Romans. I'll read a few verses in Romans. Just pick it uh, because of time. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Um, I think maybe let's read Romans 11 first. We'll go to uh, Romans 11, 5 through 6. So too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. By grace. Now, verse 6 says, which is my emphasis, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace will no longer be grace. So he's trying to make it clear that when we are saying grace, it really means grace. It really means it's a gift. Because if it is by grace, it cannot be based on works. Salvation cannot be based on works. If it were, then, then grace is no longer grace. And that is very important for us to know as believers. That our salvation has no other, there's no other way except by grace. Now, Romans 5.20, Apostle Paul doubled down on this. 
doubled down on it and he said, look, the law was brought in so that trespass might increase. Now, the background was this, of this was, was trying to say the works of the law, that is just obeying the laws of Moses, Ten Commandments, the religious uh, laws uh, of days, observing days, the feasts, and all those things that are found in the Old Testament, which it is what constitutes Judaism, you know, uh, that's, you know, they don't bring salvation. And he says, in fact, it was added later that, in fact, he made a case that Ab there was no law when God called uh, Abraham, right? Law came, the law of Moses, all those things came later. It came later, 430 years or so later, several years later. So it came much later. When God called Abraham, who is the father of faith? There was nothing like law. It was by faith. So he's trying to say God's original intent was that salvation will be by faith. Now, he said the law was brought in so that trespass might increase. In fact, he made an argument. The reason why law was made is that so that we can surrender to God, so that we can realize that if God were to use standard, at the end of the day, nobody will be able to meet that standard, right? Everyone will be frustrated. So when God now says, you know what? Do you want grace? It is easy for people to say, you know what? Now, if I want to go by works, I'm not going to be able to meet it anyway. So, and he said, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. It is trying to say, look, there is no sin that grace cannot take care of. You cannot say somebody has gone so far. Now, the farther you go, the farther the grace will go with you. One of our uh, ministers just came from a conference in Tennessee and was sharing with me this morning that the pastor of the church, they went to a huge church, 6,000 seat uh, auditorium, multiple services, is actually a convicted person. So he got saved in jail. He got convicted as a teenager of murder. So he killed somebody, went to jail. He got to jail, got saved, gave his life to Christ. And somehow, after he got out, continued to walk with the Lord, the Lord call him to ministry and he leads a mega church this is someone that cannot even be employed regularly i'm sure you won't hire somebody if you check their record kill somebody oh no oh i'm born again now oh yeah i know i'm happy for you you're born again but but you can't i don't want you in my office but look at what grace did right Grace took him and is now being used mightily. That is what he's trying to say. That look, no matter how messed up people in the society is, God's grace is sufficient to take them out of it. Hallelujah. Now, so the bottom line is salvation cannot be earned by our good works. So a Christian can never say, it is because of what I did. That's why I'm saved. In fact, a good Christian, a Christian is a receiver. After all, there's nothing we have. A Christian believes that there's nothing we have 
that we have not received from God. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, like every other thing, this can be take people out of balance. So in the book of Romans, that same chapter, Apostle Paul now went to kind of balance this so that people will understand what he's trying to say. Because some people were going to take that, going to take this. In fact, they started doing it. In somewhere in chapter three, there he actually had said some people had slanderously accusing him that he was saying, "Let us just be sinning so that we can have more grace." Right? If a sin abound, grace abound. How about so that I can have more grace? Let me go and have more sin. And he said, no, 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 no. That is not true. So, so he addressed this clearly for us, and that's very important. So if you go to the next chapter, Romans chapter 6, he now tried to answer that. And he said, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And he said, by no means. In fact, I think if you are reading King James Version, you say, God forbid. That sounds like something my mother would say. <laughs> God forbid. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So he addressed this, especially in the area of sin. You know, and that, that takes me to talking about personal responsibility now. Because personal responsibility is really our side of the bargain. Hallelujah. It is our responsibility, which or really our response to God, our response to God's grace. You know, our personal responsibility is our response to God's grace. Because God has given us grace, he has given us a gift, we have a responsibility as a result of that. So, and he addresses this. This the scripture addresses this in two folds. One is in the area of sin, which you've just talked about, right? Which is very, very important. That says we cannot continue in sin and say, okay, grace will increase. That is not the right way to interpret it. So grace is not a license to sin. Instead, grace teaches us to say no to sin. Hallelujah. And this is clearly stated in Titus chapter 2, verse 12. So I'm walking you through now. Let's go to Titus chapter 2, verse 12. Can we read it together? Let's go. One, two. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives 
in this present age. So grace teaches us to say no. Right? That's what grace does. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. You know, somebody that has experienced God's grace will not say, now I am excused to sin because of God's grace. No. Somebody who has experienced God's grace now say, you know what? I want to live worthy of somebody that God taught. You know what? I didn't deserve it. And God said, I am going to give it to you anyway. Now I am going to respond by living worthy of that. Praise the name of Jesus. So it's important to note that, that we uh, grace is not a license to sin. There's another aspect to, uh, to it, which is the aspect of good works. Good works, not necessarily in terms of sin, but in terms of act of good works. You know, act of kindness, helping other people, supporting other people. Where do this coming now? James addresses this in James chapter 2, verses 14 through, you know, actually the whole chapter. But we're going to read a few of them. He said, what good is it? In fact, reading this, and let me just warn you, you might think it is really contradicting what Apostle Paul is saying. And I think I see a lot of believers struggle with that. Uh, but no, and I'm going to try to help you to, 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 to understand what he's trying to say. But he said, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? So he said, works. Deeds is works. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and wear fed, but does, does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But we, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith with your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Actually, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now, he's saying that, really, the way we know, how do we know that someone has faith? How? Because someone can just say, you know, I have faith. I trust in God. Right? I believe Jesus died for me. He saved me. He gave me all these good things. He redeemed me straight to heaven. Jolly ride. And it's awesome. And I believe in that. Now, how do I know that you have faith? There has to be a way for me to know. Right? I am going to know somehow because I see some deeds. I see some fruits. I see some corresponding action that is motivated by your faith. Now, let's see how he, he continues. Let's, let's jump to verse 20. He said, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? was not our father. Then he went to the same story, right, of Abraham. 
Was not our father considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac to the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his, his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, Abraham believed God. And God credited that as righteousness. But how did we know that Abraham believed God? How? How did we know? Because Abraham took some action based on the belief. Now, first of all, God told him, get out of that country. Get out of your people. All right? And he gave him promises. So Abraham didn't say, okay, I believe you. And just continue to live his life. That's how many of us live, right? We are confessors, professors of faith. I believe, believe you are my healer. I believe in Jesus. Oh, Jesus died for me. He paid the price. But we don't have corresponding actions. We don't. We don't prove it by taking risk for Jesus, right? So Abraham took the risk. He left everybody. And he obeyed God. So there was an, a corresponding obedience that proves, right, that Abraham actually believed in what God said. And that's what he's trying to say. Now, he said later, and he used an example, that the scripture, I mean, you use an example. You see that his faith and actions were working together. I mean, verse 21. He was considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac to the altar. So God told Abraham, go and offer Isaac, your only child. Take him to the mountain and offer him. And Abraham obeyed. He didn't, didn't tell his wife. Just said, I'm going to the mountain, took the boy, took sticks, whatever they used to light, fire, took everything, took uh, whatever, and he just put everything in the backpack, put it on the boy. And the wife said, okay, where, where's the lamp? You know, you, you have everything, you're going to sacrifice. Where's the lamp? And Abraham said, the Lord we provide. Now, the Bible later tells us what was going on in his mind is what? God already promised that this is the child through which he will bless the whole nation. So I'm sure God is up to something. I'm sure if God wants me to kill him, I'm sure he wants to raise him back to life. He must, you know, must be up to something. And I'm going to go anyway and believe. So, and James is telling us, that's how we know. It's because Abraham be obeyed. Abraham obeyed. That's how we know that he believed. So we cannot have be going around saying we believe when we don't show it by our actions. Our actions show otherwise that we actually don't believe. So James is trying to say, don't give me that. <laughs> don't give me that. I understand all your cute languages, but I want to see some evidence that you actually believe. Now, so he wasn't trying to say we earn salvation, right? That James is not contradicting what Apostle Paul is saying. He's not trying to say, now we earn it. No, he's saying, 
our, there must be action as a result of faith that makes us to know that you actually believe it. Hallelujah. So it's important to really get that and understand that. So we are not saved and done. Right? And that's the key. We are saved and do. Right? We do as a result of our salvation. Our salvation motivates us to embrace certain lifestyle, certain choices, certain uh, way of living that reflect we actually believe what God said. That we take his word seriously. That we believe. The same way he promised that we are saved. You know, the same way he promised us eternal life just by believing and forgave us of everything we've done. The same promises, the same way we trust that if he asks me to go somewhere, he has a good intention, right? His promises for me are right. If he asks me to worship, to give, to forgive. So many of us can't even trust God to fight our battles. And we go around fighting our battles on ourselves, by ourselves. And that's why we are stressed, unhappy, dejected, messed up, crying, no peace, no joy. Many people just spend their life fighting their battles. Forgetting that God said, I will fight your battle. I think I'm speaking to some people here. So we are not saved and done. We are saved and do. There must be action. So a Christian must never say, because I have grace, I can do anything I want. Right? That's clear. That's, that's not a Christian life. You know, many of us take this concept of grace to mean, oh, you know, we're under grace, man. We can't just be all oh, this, do this, do this. You know, we, 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 you know, we just say, you know, we're under grace. No, actually, grace should propel us to obedience. Grace, can, grace is not a license to live anyhow. In fact, it's a license and an empowerment to please God. Praise the name of Jesus. But also, a Christian must never say, my works earn me something from God. Christians are not earners. Christians are receivers. Right? A Christian, so we don't do, even when you work, and that's very important. That's why these things are, it's a very, very delicate balance. Now, even when you do good works, right? We don't do good works to earn something from God. Because, let me tell you why. God has such a high standard. He will never be enough. So if you want to be earning, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Did you get that? You're going to, if you want to be earning with God, even in your attitude, your relationship, your prayer, never go to God and say, God, I've done this. No, 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 no. no. Always, your attitude should always be, because otherwise you might not even be grateful. 
honestly grateful if you believe you earn it. And that's why he said, Abraham had nothing to boast. God doesn't want us to put ourselves in a position where we are boasting. But also God has such a very high standard that even that same good that we claim we have done, if God decides to put it on his own microscope, wow. Does he want to judge the attitude, the motive? You know, does he want to look at those intricacies of your heart, what is going, are you, you know, are you enjoying the attention a little bit? If God wants to dissect all that, you're going to realize that, wow, I cannot really meet this standard. And that is why there is no one righteous. No one righteous in the sense that there is no one that can meet God's standard. It can only be given to us. And that's why we must always be grateful. You know, the reason why we're going to get to heaven is not going to be because of what we did. No, 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 it's not. It is because it's given to us. So a Christian must have that attitude because the danger with that is when we begin to live, you know, improve, you know, maybe you, when, you, when you are newly saved, you are struggling, we all know grace very well, Right? But we are beginning to be prayer warrior. I can pay two hours, three hours. I begin to now be less grace conscious. That's the tendency. I begin to now say, you know what? I'm, I'm doing this now. I, I can take care of myself. I, can, I know how to deal with the enemy on my knees. You know, we begin to have those chip on our shoulders. You know, begin to, God doesn't want us to get to that place. And that's the danger. That's why even good works, if it is not properly processed, if the understanding of the truth is not well balanced, can trick us to begin to rely on them. Hallelujah. And so we are, not, we are no longer relying on God's grace. So a Christian can never say, my works earn me something. So don't do things earning. You know, even your giving, you know, you can, you know, somebody once asked me a question about tithing. So, when I was under the law, not under the law, I said, you know what? It depends on how you give your tithe. If you tithe under the law, then you are under the law. If you tithe under grace, you can, with a mindset of grace. You see, Christians give with a mindset of appreciation. Hallelujah. Christian says, what do I have that I did not receive? And if I received it, why should it be difficult to give it? Did you see that? You know that frees you from struggle. It frees you. It makes giving all of a sudden refreshing, different. You no longer struggle. In fact, it actually proves that you have faith in God as your source. People who don't give can never claim to trust God. You don't. It's a lie. All this crying, I love you, Lord, is a lie. <laughs> because when it comes to opportunity to prove it, you duck. Christians forgive because they know 
that God has, I am received forgiveness. So why can't I give forgiveness? I mean, if God is not going to count or has chosen not to count my sins against me, why should I count people's sin against them? That frees you. Doesn't that make forgiveness easier? Understanding of that. So Christians forgive. If you call yourself a Christian, you don't forgive. You are a liar. Because when it comes to the opportunity to prove it, you duck. Then you find, oh, you find scriptures to, 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 to back yourself up. But you know you are lying. You often find some pastors to help you to pray against your enemy. Not scriptural. There's no, there's nothing. There's no, you, 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 don't, you pray for your enemy. That's what the Bible says. You know what? There's a difference between praying for and praying against. Pray for those who despisefully use you. That's what the scripture says. Oh, how about, uh, you know, we battle against flesh and blood, but that's not flesh and blood. That's, that is actually clear. Our real enemy is not flesh and blood. That's who we pray against, not your auntie, your mother-in-law, your uncle, somebody at your job, your mom, your all these, you know, things. So it is very important for us to see things the right way. Christians don't earn, we receive. Now, we respond in appreciation to what we have received. That's our lifestyle. Our giving, our holiness is a response to God. Our loving other people is a response to God. Our service to God. You know, if you're a worker, your service is a response to God. You're not serving to earn something from God. I am not serving to earn something from God. No, it's a response to God. It's a response. He gave me everything. Why can't I? What is too much to give God? Unfortunately, we don't respond well to grace because, you see, unless there is, that's why this message is so important. Unless God does a surgery in our mind and remove that human mindset, slavery human mindset that doesn't respond well to grace. You know, because we are earners, naturally. We want to earn. Right? So generally, we love people who are slave masters. That's why Israelites, they did, they, thought they did better in Egypt. They had problem trusting God because you know, with Egypt, in Egypt, they just know. I mean, they, they just, they got so used to being whipped. You know, if you do it right, I give you food. If you do your work right, I give you. If you don't, now, I have, we just have to trust. After a while, they couldn't take it anymore. They said, you know what, I think let's, is it here? Let's just go back to Egypt. At least it's predictable, you know? We just know five o'clock, six o'clock. We have food in the morning. I mean, if I do this, I know how many lashes I'm going to get. I know all that. <laughs> and that's how we respond also. Sometimes as Christians, we respond 
by almost thinking like that in our relationship with God. So that's why we move to legalism, like the law. In the, you know, in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, you don't show up for a feast. It's a serious thing. So people don't miss feast. Oh, people feast, offering, you know, I mean, it's daily, every week. I mean, you don't do what you're supposed to do for Sabbath. Oh, my God. I mean, you're, you're gone. I mean, you... I mean, the, the, the punishment, the death, the that. So people, but grace came instead of people to respond to say, wow. Some people say, ah, can't show up. Ah, forsake not the assembly of people of God. Ah, I watch online, I do. You know, people just don't take it seriously. Whereas if we really understand grace, reverse should be. We should respond. Praise the name of Jesus. So grace is not a license to do less. Grace must enable us to do more. I'll read two verses of scripture. One is Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. And this is very interesting that Jesus said this. He said, for I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. See, your righteousness must not be legalistic. That is what he's trying to say. Your righteousness should not just be legalistic. You shouldn't come to church so because, oh, if I don't, somebody's going to call me. You shouldn't do what you do as a worker or say anything because, oh, if I don't, oh, I don't want to do this. You shouldn't give because, ah, oh, I don't want God to just... Uh, you know, devour me and destroy me. <laughs> I have to give. You don't do that. Otherwise, your righteousness is like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because it's a response. He's trying to meet a standard. He's trying to say, you know what? Ah, God, I, I've done my prayer today. At least, uh, if, I, uh, me, I do, if I don't pray, I, I don't, you know, I've done, I've logged it in, I've logged it in. No, 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 no. Don't log eating. Don't log. Don't log prayer. Log giving. Log serving. Log, you know this, that. No, no, no. Don't log. Just, just enjoy God's favor and respond and and do those things as an act of worship. Right. Meditate on God's goodness, God's grace, how He has been good to you, how He has been, how He has. Chosen that you will spend eternity with him. And you did not deserve it. You did not do anything for it. Then you now live your life for him. No sacrifice is too much for people who reason like that. Praise the name of Jesus. First Corinthians 15.10 is my last verse. And I believe it is the summary. It is the balance of the subject of grace and personal responsibility. And I want all of us to read it together. Hallelujah. Can we all read it? Can we, we have it on the screen. Let's go. One, two. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I want you to stop there. So that's a Christian statement. That is the most Christian statement you can make. 
And, and it's not, I'm not saying just fake or just say it as a cliche. You are a product of God's grace. That is, God bless you without merit, right? Be not because you deserve it. You are saved. So, let's go. And his grace to me was not without effect. Now, so there is a result as a result of the grace. So, the grace was not without effect. So, let's go. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not high. Let's just stop that. He said, I work harder. So, why is he working harder? Is he to earn something from God? It is because of grace I work harder. Because I don't want the grace to not have effect. I want God to profit from his investment in my life. I don't want the investment to be flat, to be nothing. He has invested so much. Giving someone giving us gift of the spirit, giving us time, giving us life. But the most important thing, he has given us eternal life. Right? He said, I work harder than all of them. And he now said, let's complete it. Yet not I, but the grace of God. So that you don't think I also work harder by my power. Now, even the power to work harder <laughs> is what? Wow. Isn't that? That's the Christian life. The Christian life is, is birthed by grace and is powered by grace. I want you to say it. The Christian life is birthed by grace and powered by grace. That's why grace is important. And that is the balance. So, there is a personal responsibility that is a product of recognizing that we have received from God. I want us to rise up and pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you.